Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Oregon's timber industry has undergone an extreme makeover in the 30 years since the fight over old growth forests and spotted owls. But despite timber companies' diminished economic contributions, they've held on to much of their status and influence. They've done that with the help of an obscure public agency called the Oregon Forest Resources Institute. The Oregonian, OPB, and ProPublica teamed up to investigate. Here's OPB's Tony Schick explaining how this public agency has aided industry lobbying and image-making efforts. If you watch TV, listen to the radio, or surf the internet in Oregon, chances are you've encountered the work of the Oregon Forest Resources Institute. And we have strong laws to make sure our forests are replanted and well-managed to protect wildlife habitat and water. These ads have been seen by hundreds of thousands of Oregonians, though the Institute's polling shows almost no one knows who's behind them. The Institute was created in 1991, when timber companies were reeling during the height of the timber wars. At their request, state lawmakers created the Oregon Forest Resources Institute, known as OFRI. They funded it with a tax on logging and gave timber companies control of almost all of the voting seats on its board of directors. Here's Aaron Isselman, the Institute's director, describing its mission. OFRI's mission is to educate Oregonians about our forests and about forest practices and to encourage sustainable forestry practices through landowner education. In the decades since its creation, OFRI has done a lot more than that. Our investigation found that despite its educational mission, the Institute has at times acted as a public relations agency and lobbying arm for the timber industry, in some cases skirting legal constraints that forbid it from doing so. It has on multiple occasions worked to undercut scientific research by public universities. Last year, its board discussed whether rushing a report could help stop ballot measures that targeted logging practices. A year earlier, top staff sat through private timber industry deliberations about attack ads opposing the governor's re-election. The Institute's most visible work is the $1 million advertising campaign. Its overarching message has been that Oregon's forestry laws already protect the environment. Remember that our forests are being managed responsibly. That's why we have strong laws. Strong laws. Strong laws. Strong laws. Thanks to the Oregon Forest Practices Act. OFRI calls its messaging objective, but it has avoided publicizing information that could make Oregon's forestry laws look inadequate. The Institute's ads often mirror the industry's lobbying efforts to resist more stringent environmental rules, like this one, featuring a father-son pair of loggers 
holding a glass of water, and standing in a forest stream. This is Oregon water. Oh, thanks, Dad. Hey, that's a prop for TV. And to remind people that Oregon has strong laws that help protect our watersheds. And besides, it's the right thing to do. Our investigation reviewed thousands of emails from the Institute. They revealed many instances where Ofri's work was closely aligned with the industry's political lobbying. The Institute's public employees also tried to undermine science the industry feared could result in unwanted policy. Our investigation uncovered four examples. This is just one of them, which started to play out in 2018. That's the year Oregon State University's Beverly Law and Mark Harmon co-authored a study that identified industrial logging as one of Oregon's biggest sources of carbon emissions, which contribute to climate change. Here's Professor Harmon. It kind of undermined the role that they had been telling people they were playing, which was that they were taking up carbon on the land and storing it in products. The timber industry had spent years marketing logging as a climate solution. In a warming world, it promoted cutting trees down to store carbon in lumber instead of letting trees burn in a wildfire. Ofri's director at the time, Paul Barnum, sounded an alarm about the study, telling two industry groups the findings were, quote, of grave concern to all of us in Oregon. Hours before Professor Law, the lead author, was scheduled for an interview on Jefferson Public Radio, Barnum emailed her college dean suggesting the study was built on faulty assumptions and that the radio interview seemed like policy advocacy, which should be out of bounds for a scientific researcher. Law said she recognized the Institute's tactics as the same ones used by the tobacco or oil and gas industries to push back on unfavorable science. It's the same playbook. How do you discredit scientists and then continue to hammer on them and try try and prevent them from publishing more? Law said she later learned that the same criticisms of her study made by the Institute became talking points used by Oregon senators. It's dirty tricks that it's just not in science. We don't do those things to each other. Barnum was the Institute's director before his 2018 retirement. He sent Law's boss a letter urging him to publicly announce a university review of the study's validity. Law's boss declined. My partner on this investigation, Oregonian reporter Rob Davis, asked Barnum about his involvement in the pushback to the carbon study. He defended the Institute's actions. Historically, we have not felt it our role to be silent when we believe research to be biased, non-objective, or opaque. Did you think that the Harmon Law study was biased, non-objective, or opaque? There were aspects of it that concerned me, yes. Okay. What? I don't think we need to go into specifics about it, Rob. That's water under the bridge at this point. Barnum did acknowledge he made inappropriate comments, including some that impugned the researchers' motives. William Funk is a professor of law emeritus at Lewis and Clark. He said the Institute's pushback against Oregon State might have violated the law. They're using resources uh, to try to undermine something that is in the public policy debate area. It may well be a violation of the statute. The Institute's current director, Isselman, said she had solicited an opinion from the Oregon Department of Justice about what the Institute is and isn't allowed to do under state law. She declined to make the document public, citing attorney-client privilege. Isselman has been the director of the agency since 2018, and she defended its record under her tenure. I operate under the highest ethical standards, and I would not stake my reputation to do something that's unethical or to disseminate information that isn't factual. In response to our findings, a spokesman for Oregon Governor Kate Brown said Ofri's actions merit an investigation by the Oregon Government Ethics Commission, or an audit from the Secretary of State's office. The Institute hasn't been audited since 1996. Tony Schick, OPB. 
Thanks for listening to Beat Check with the Oregonian. Check out the latest installment in the Oregonian, OPB, and ProPublica's investigation into timber issues in the state. I shared a link in the episode notes. We'll be back with a regular episode later this week.